Amen. Come on, let's put those hands together one more time for the Lord. Amen. 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 You can be seated. We welcome you to Edge Church this morning. Welcome you to the Christmas season, which we all love. Have you ever noticed that we do so many odd things centered around Christmas? Uh, You wear weird outfits, right? I mean, when else do you wear a puff paint sweater with Santa Claus and bells on it? I mean, come on now. Red and green ties that play music and matching socks. I mean, come on now. I hope you don't do that in June and, you know, March and other times like that. You eat interesting foods, don't you? Especially ones with lots of sugar, right? You're like, it's Christmas. I got to have some. You put weird decorations around the house, right? I mean, when else do you put trees in your living room with, you know, tinsel and lace and garland and whatever else it may be? We do so many odd things around the Christmas season. We send out Christmas cards. We put up interesting decorations. We listen to songs that we don't listen to any other time of the year. Uh, We spend money that we don't have. Can I get a witness today? And we hang out with people that we don't see all year, and a lot of them we don't even like. It's Christmas, though. It's Christmas. There's so much energy. There's so much hype. There's so much enthusiasm around Christmas. And we do all these things because Christmas is so exciting. The people we're going to look at today were really the hype men of the nativity. They were the individuals that brought energy, enthusiasm, um, all kinds of hype to the birth of Jesus. I'm talking about the shepherds. Last week we talked about the wise men. They were the intellectuals from the east. They were the ones that studied the sky and the stars and the Old Testament. They were the scholars. They were the smart people. They were the educated. The shepherds were the blue-collar guys. They were hanging out in the fields, tending their sheep, and one day they got a visitation from an angel and a heavenly host, and their lives were never the same. Their enthusiasm, their excitement centering around the birth of Jesus is something that we're talking about 2,000 years later. They brought energy. That's why I've titled the message today, Christmas Exuberance, because The shepherds were so excited. They really were. Every year we love to go watch the Denver Nuggets. Do we have any Nugget fans today? The Nuggets are all, they're doing great this season. They're doing really good. Come on now. Come on, better than the Broncos. I'm just saying. But one of the best things about going to the Nuggets, and I love basketball and I love the Nuggets and all that, But it's it's, it's Rocky. Rocky's there. If you haven't been to a Nuggets game, Rocky's the mascot. Rocky is not the main show, but he brings attention and energy and hype to the main attraction. Rocky's getting his picture made with kids. My kids got their picture made with Rocky. Rocky is doing push-ups. Rocky's jumping off a trampoline, dunking the ball at the end of a quarter. He's doing all kinds of silly things in the stands. He makes the game more energetic and more delightful. When I think about the shepherds, I think about 
the fact that they were kind of like the Rockies, if you will, centering around the nativity and the birth of Christ. They were bringing attention. They were bringing energy. They were bringing enthusiasm. They were, they were so excited. Now, who were these shepherds? Well, <clears throat> shepherds are an interesting crew. We don't get their names, by the way. The Bible doesn't say, well, this is shepherd Tim and shepherd so-and-so. It just says the shepherds. They're really nobodies in many ways. But the shepherds were considered in Judaism to be unclean because they were always having to handle the nasty sheep. I mean, if you had sheep dung and fur and blood and, you know, bug guts and stuff all over you all the time and you spent the night out with the sheep camping out every night, I mean, that you're not going to be clean. And so they couldn't even come to public worship in the temple most of the time. So they were looked down upon. Uh, shepherds were not allowed to testify in a court of law. They were considered to be too dumb. <laughs> you know? And so it's really interesting that the gospel narrative highlights two of the most unlikely groups of people that come and celebrate the birth of Christ. The wise men from the east, and the Jewish people don't even like the Babylonians. They can't stand them. And then the shepherds, who really have no influence, and who are the bottom of the socioeconomic level of the Jewish people. That's why I love the Bible, by the way. People sometimes say, well, the Bible sensationalizes things, or, you know, the Bible adds to, or, you know, this is just somebody's bias. No, 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 no. This is not a compelling way to talk about the birth of Christ. The only reason that the story highlights the shepherd and the wise men is because simply that's the way that God orchestrated it. And the fact that he used such unlikely people to draw attention to the birth of his son tells us the truth of the story. So the shepherds are that first group that's there. And they get this fantastic visitation from this, this angel. I want us to look today at three things today from the shepherd's life that we can learn. How we can be excited about Christmas. I hope you're pumped about Christmas. I hope you're pumped about Jesus. And that's the reason that you're pumped about Christmas. Uh, we need to hurry and find. Hurry and find. Okay, now, now look at the story with me, if you would. Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. And then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Well, obviously so, yes. Verse 10, but the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth, lying in a manger. And then suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest in heaven and peace on earth. To the people he favors. And when the angels had left them 
and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And then they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And I want you to see the immediate response of the shepherds. I mean, when the angel delivers the news, what do they do? They dropped everything. They immediately went to find the Savior. There was no delay. There was no hesitation. There was no, let's meditate on this for 48 hours. I mean, the Messiah has come. And interestingly enough, the angel does not command them to go and find Jesus. He just announces the birth. But you know what? The natural response to hearing the good news is to want to go and check it out. Amen? And so they leave the sheep in the fields to go and find Jesus. There is nothing there is more important than finding Christ. I mean... That is the number, that's the most important, the most significant thing that our life can be about is about finding Jesus. And I hope that you have found Christ in your own salvation. And I hope that you are finding Christ in every arena of life. I I hope you're looking for Jesus in your family. What's God saying to me today? How does God want me to lead these kids? What does God want me to do as a spouse? I hope you're looking for Christ in your job. How does God want me to interact with these crazy people that I spend so much time with? I'm looking for I'm looking for Jesus in my school, students. I'm looking for Christ in every arena. It doesn't even matter where you are or what you're doing. I'm I'm looking. I'm looking for the Lord. I'm looking for him. i got to find Christ today. And we should hurry, and we should do so with great enthusiasm and great excitement, shouldn't we? Um, There's a spiritual urgency in the the attitude of the shepherds, which is so admirable. Um, For some of us, it may be getting baptized. You know, maybe you've been like, man, I need to get baptized. You've You've been praying about it for three years now. I mean, come on, you know. I talk to people sometimes, they're like, Pastor, I need to read the whole Bible, and then I'll get baptized. I'm like, we don't have a decade. Okay, come on now. I mean, come on. There should be like an urgency in our spirit to to do and to find the, the will and the purposes of God. And maybe there's some things you've been putting off, you know. There's a certain topic and you know that you need to learn what God's word has to say about it. And you need to go home this afternoon and you need to study and you need to learn and you need to read. And you need to act on the things that God wants you to do. Some of you have friends and family members that desperately need to be at Christmas Eve services at Edge Church in a couple weeks. And the Lord's putting on your heart today to go and invite them. Don't, Don't put it off. The things that we put off are the things that are lower in priority. Amen? I mean, when something's really important, what do we do? Well, we move it to the top. Uh, We we have a little family rule. 
If my wife calls once, I try to take the call. If she calls twice, that means it's extremely urgent and important. So, you know, sometimes, that doesn't happen a lot, but sometimes I'll be on the phone. Oh, Gina called twice. I, hey, can I call you back in a minute? There's an urgency. There's some things that cannot be put off, right? Hey, what's going on, you know? That's the spirit of the shepherds. The angel announces the birth. Well, let's go find him. I mean, come on. It doesn't matter what time at night it is. It doesn't matter if I'm tired and cranky. It doesn't matter about the sheep. I don't have to, 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 to go and think about this several days. I'm just, I got to go find Christ. I got to go find him. And they hurry and they go and they find him because he's a priority. They hurry and find. But they also do a second thing. They worship and celebrate they worship and celebrate. They hurry and find. They worship and celebrate. I mean, this is another mark of enthusiasm for the birth of the Messiah. We, we, we worship, we celebrate. Now look at verse 20. The shepherds return glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, they left, they left the manger and they're headed home and they're continuing to worship and to celebrate. I love this because sometimes we associate worship and celebration with the event. But the event had transformed them so much that even when they left the event of worship, they were still worshiping and celebrating. It says they returned glorifying God. In other words, when they got home, what were they doing? They were glorifying God. <laughs> when they were traveling back, they were glorifying God. And the, the act of worship and celebration in our own spiritual lives is something that should never cease. We, we, we don't come to the house of worship and get our worship on and sing songs and hear great messages and pray and all that. And then go home and then just forget about everything that happened. We got to take it home with us. Worship is something that should be taken home. I hope the reason that you take notes this morning is because you want to take it home. I hope that you watch the videos sometimes online because you want to take it home. I hope that you leave here th th this afternoon and you're thinking about some of the things we talked about and, and you're, you're, you're pondering those things, you're thinking about those things because you want to take worship home with you. I can't just leave it at church. i got to take it with me. i got to take it with me. Yesterday I was driving over in Highlands Ranch and I drove past one of my favorite all-time restaurants, Payway. I love Payway. I know you can't see the box probably that far the little writing there says payway. And I ordered my favorite lunch, and it was really tasty. They have a lot of gluten-free items, so I'm like a big fan. I'm like a payway promoter. Love payway. When P.F. Chang's is not available, I go to the little brother, payway. Amen. Sometimes I'm on a P.F. Chang's budget. Sometimes I'm on a payway budget. <clears throat> Yesterday was a payway budget. So I'm over at payway, and I'm totally enjoying my meal it's fantastic and I'm like I can't eat all this and I went and I got the little box and I put the remainder of the food 
in the box. And when I was hungry a little bit later at home, I finished off what I had started a little bit earlier. I think that's a great picture of Christian worship. We take home what we started. You see, Sunday services is just a kickoff to all the great things that God wants to do in your life. You know, I talk to people sometimes and they're like, I come to church and I don't get anything out of it. Listen, if you come to church and you don't take it home with you, your spiritual life will be very stagnant. You have to make the choice. The shepherds said, well, if Jesus has been born, let's go find him. But the angel didn't put a sword to their back and say, go and find Jesus. There's just some things we have to decide for ourselves. And I hope this Christmas season, as we're worshiping the Lord Jesus, and as we're talking about this great story of the birth of his son, that you'll want to take it with you. We should have Christmas all year long in reality. We're worshiping, we're celebrating the birth of Christ. How do we take it home? We apply the word of God into our lives. We don't just hear, we act. Uh, we live it out. Uh, when we live it out, that's when the word of God really begins to take root in our lives. And he no notice the scripture again, if you look at verse 10, he says, um, they were glorified and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard. What they had seen and heard. Now they had heard it from the angel. The baby's been born. They heard it. And then they went and saw it. And you know what the result of that was? They went and did something about it. That's a beautiful picture of spiritual growth. I heard something. I saw something, I did something. That's God's pattern for our life right there. I heard it, I saw it, I did it. And, you know, when we hear the word of God and we begin to act on it, then we begin to see it in our own lives and we begin to see it in the lives of other people. That's what's so great about the local church is we get to see the word of God acting out in the lives of our friends and other people. And then it encourages us. And we're thinking, well, you know what, they're, they're living by faith and I know they're going through some hard times and they're loving the Lord and they're in prayer and the church is supporting them. And man, if they can go through that, then maybe I can go through what I'm going through. And we see it and we hear it and we hear it and we see it. And when we see it, then we want to do it. And that's what the shepherds begin to do. They begin to respond accordingly. They, they, took, they took it home with them. It didn't end. Listen, we, we, we can come here and have a magnificent worship experience, but it doesn't have to end on Sunday mornings. <laughs> it's something that should go with us because worship is not contained to a place. Worship is about a person, and his name is Jesus. When our eyes are on him, we're not bound up by experience or, 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 or by gatherings, but we're taking it home with us. We're taking it home with us. Uh, we're taking it home. We, we, we've heard about the ice castles in Dillon. Have you guys been to the ice castles, anybody? Anybody ever heard of it before? It's really an awesome thing. You're like missing out. Bad Colorado. It's really fantastic. No, we've been here a few years. You know, we're, we're from Texas, but I lived here a few years, and I was like, everybody's been to the ice castle in Colorado except me. 
we got to go to the ice castle. I had read the online Google reviews. I had talked to people who had attended. But it's this huge ice castle in Dillon. I was like, we got to go check it out. And when I got there, it was even better than what I had heard about. They had a big slide that you could enjoy. They had a big ice throne that you could get selfies and pictures made on. It was amazing. They had little mazes and little cutouts. They had a big fountain. I mean, this place is magnificent. It's awesome. And I got to tell you, it was great to hear about it, but it was even better to see it. (laughs) I think that's what the gospel is. The gospel is fantastic to hear, but it's even better to experience it for yourself. I mean, when you meet Christ, is there anything more wonderful than the Son of God coming to live in your own life? Maybe some of you today have heard a lot about Jesus, but you've never, you, you, you've never seen it for yourself. But this Christmas season, God is calling you and leading you and, and directing you to, to come and follow him. It's a beautiful thing. Hurry and find Worship and celebrate. And then finally, go and tell. Go and tell. Go and tell. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior is born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. Now let's break it down. Good news of great joy. Verses 10 and 11. If you want to be joyful, keep pursuing Jesus. Why do we pursue Jesus versus so many other things? Because nothing else can bring the joy that Jesus brings. Christmas is about joy. Joy to the world. Joy to the world. I mean, is there any better word that sums up the birth of Jesus better than the word joy. God loved us, sent his son, joy, joy. And it's good news of great joy. And this is why evangelism is so exciting. Sometimes we think in the church evangelism is kind of a scary word. You know, most people would rather do almost anything than talk to somebody else about their faith. Most Christians don't, they, they, they value faith, they love faith, but it's very private and personal. Think about this this Christmas season. Evangelism is not putting people into intellectual headlocks. It is not debates or argumentation. It is simply telling people good news of great joy. That's what it is. And we ought to be talking more about Jesus. Amen? Do you believe that? We should be talking. If Christ is really this great, we should be talking more about him. We shouldn't be so quiet and so reserved. You know, what are they going to say about me? You know, that kind of thing. No, it's good news. It's the good news of how God has transformed my life. How God's transformed you. You have a story. If you know the Savior, you have a story. So it's good news of great joy. Good news of great joy. I, one time I, I met um, a young lady at a previous church, and she had gotten engaged, but she hadn't told anybody. Does that strike somebody as a little odd? The marriage lasted like a year or two. 
I was like, you guys got off to a bad start in the beginning, right? When I was going to propose to Gina, I'll never forget this. I was down in Galveston, Texas. I was on the beach. I was with my family. We were eating breakfast at a restaurant. Gina was meeting us at the restaurant that morning. I literally had the ring out showing strangers, people I had never met before, and I was telling them, I'm getting engaged, and she's coming to the restaurant, don't tell her. I was out of my mind. I was sitting at a booth, and when she got there, she sat down beside me, and I started jumping up and down on the springs in the booth. She looked at me, and she said, what is wrong with you? Have you just ever been so excited about something that you just you weren't even in the right state of mind? I think this is where the shepherds were. And when you feel that, man, you begin to talk to people about it. It's, it's good news of great joy. I began to go and to tell. And notice that the message is for all peoples. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's for the wise men from the east, the Babylonians. Is for white-collar people. It's for blue-collar people like the shepherds. It's for Democrats. It's for Republicans. It's for sophisticated people. It's for unsophisticated people. It's for wealthy people. It's for poor people. It's for black people. It's for white people. It's for all peoples. The gospel message is for everybody. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. That's, that's one reason it's so good. It's so good it's for everybody. It's for religious people. It's for unreligious people. It's for Hindu people. It's for Muslim people. It's for Christian people. It's for people who think that they're morally upright. It's for people who know they are totally down and out and bankrupt. The gospel is for all peoples. It's for, it's for everybody. Because we all have one thing in common, and that is that we've all messed up. And the Bible calls that sin, and we need a Savior. And that common denominator draws all of humanity together and causes us to rejoice and to say, God, thank you for sending your Son. This is the only passage in the Bible where the terms Savior, Messiah, and Lord are all mentioned together. They're mentioned separately, but here in Luke chapter 2, they're all together. The Savior, who's the Deliverer, the Messiah, meaning anointed one, or the Lord, king or owner. And Jesus is all of that. He's the Savior. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. He's everything. In verse 17 and 18, it says, After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. I mean, they shared it in such a compelling way. That people were like, whoa, when is the last time we talked about Jesus in such an interesting and powerful way that people said, that's amazing. That's amazing. That's fantastic. Tell me, tell, can you tell me some more about that? I'd like, I'd like to have some of that myself. I'd like to take some of that home. Amen. Amen. They were, they were amazed. The, the idea that God loves us is amazing. The idea that broken, screwed up people can be in right standing with God, that is amazing. That is amazing. That's good news of great joy. That God would send his son to be born in a humble manger, that's amazing. That's amazing. That the son of God 
would come and die on a cross one day and rise from the grave. That's amazing. That's amazing. That the angels would give an invitation to the birth of Christ. That is amazing. That's amazing. That's amazing. Wow. Well, the first Christmas was something that was unforgettable. It was a powerful experience. And the shepherds discovered that the Christmas story was so magnificent because it was God reaching down to people, not people trying to reach up to God. God sent his one and only son. Sometimes we get this mixed up and we think, well, if I could just do better and if I could just impress God with all my good deeds, if I could just do this or not do that, somehow God would be impressed with me. Listen, the story of Christmas is not so much about people. It's about the God that people should worship. And God sent a message to us. It was good news of great joy, and it still is today. Let's follow him, and let's worship and celebrate, and let's go and tell, and let's let God strike an urgency in our spirit to do everything he's called us to do. Would you pray with me for just a moment?